Welcome to Pathfinders, a topical series for men. The world around us is a mess, and it's changing rapidly and not for the better. Men are struggling to find their way. They find themselves in a forest of issues and challenges that has grown up around them, and there does not appear to be a clear pathway out. And because men are the way they are, they might not even realize that they are lost in that forest of issues and challenges. And even if they do realize it, they may not ask for help. Any forest, no matter how dense or unknown it is, can be navigated if there is someone who knows the way knows where the pathways are, know, knows where the danger is, knows which paths to take and which ones to stay away from. My objective for this series is threefold. First, to help men understand their circumstances, their situation. A man cannot know where to go if he does not first know where he is. This will also include helping them to see their need for a pathfinder in their life. Second, we all need pathfinders for some part of our lives. So what should we be looking for in a pathfinder? What are the traits and characteristics of this person, of this man who will help us to find the right path? Third, all men should aspire to be pathfinders. This series should give those men who sense the calling to lead others the tools they need to be pathfinders. Ultimately, this series is about discipleship. This world is a mess, and there are lots of reasons why the world is the way that it is, and it won't be fixed until Jesus comes back. Until then, God is calling his men to stand up and lead people, as many as will follow, away from the darkness that is so pervasive in this world. The world has a leadership problem, and God has given the church the power through the Holy Spirit to do something about it. It is far past time for God's men to stand up and start leading. Welcome to Pathfinders. Well, I don't, I don't think this makes me unique or unusual, but I don't like it when I can't do something. You know, that, that, that we, we, as men, we like to think we're pretty self-sufficient, we in many cases, I think, especially in the generation that most of us grew up in, it's kind of how we were raised to be self-sufficient. I don't really like asking for help, um, especially on something I think I should be able to do. This, this week, we had a situation going on with our clothes washer. Um, we turn it on and it about two minutes, we'd get an error message, and it was shut down. Um, I was able to find out what the error message meant. Uh, that was at least one success I had in this, but I couldn't figure out how to solve the problem, so I ended up scheduling an appointment with a repair service. Yay. I'm not equipped to solve this problem, so I had to reach out to someone that I'm hoping is equipped, experienced, and able to do it. I'm not able to solve the problem with my washer because it's not my job to solve that problem. It's not my job to know how to do that. You know, if we were, if we were talking about car things, most of us, if there was something going on with our car, we would like just throw up our hands and say, I have no idea. Yeah, it used to be, you know, when many of us were kids, okay, something goes on with your car, you just open up the hood and you start working on it, and you'll figure it out because, you know, it, most of it makes sense. Now it doesn't make sense anymore. There's computers, and there's computers talking to other computers, and there's relays and capacitors and solenoids, solenoids and, and you know, flux capacitors. I, I don't know. There's all kinds of weird stuff going on inside of that thing. And like I said, I, I have no idea. It ain't working. That's my problem. Yeah, as a man, I'm going to try to be as independent as I can. And, and as men, we should be able to do things for ourselves. And I think that we're in many 
ways in our culture we're losing that, that, that sense that men should be able to do things for themselves. There should be some aspect of us that we, we do it. But at the same time, we need to be able to, to ask others for help for these things that we can't solve ourselves, that we can't do for ourselves. As men, God created us on purpose and with a purpose, and one of those purposes is to be leaders. We are created to lead. This series, Pathfinders, is a series about men leading. That, that's what it's about, men that are going out into the world where you know, the pathway is not clear, and it's our responsibility to go into the, into the jungle, into the forest, and to make a way for those who are following, and to make it easier for them to go through this thing that we call the world. The Apostle Paul told us that God made us for a purpose. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Leading, as men, leading is one of the good works that God prepared for each one of us. As men, God said, I made you and I, and I gave you, I will give you opportunities, I will put you in positions where I am calling you to lead and it is a good work when we do it. When we do that, it's not toxic masculinity, it's not whatever, it's not chauvinism, it's not any of those things. It's a good work that God gave to each one of us to do and if we do it, it glorifies God, blesses others and grows faith. How we do that is important. It's important to God, and it's important to the ones that he's, a, he's appointed for us to lead. God has said, okay, I've given you this good work of leading, and I put people around you that I want you to lead, whether it's your family, it's your community, it's your workplace, it's your church, wherever it might be, I put you in this place so that you can do this, and it is a good thing. And what that means is that we ought to take it seriously, right? Does that, doesn't that make sense? If God appointed us to something and then put us someplace to do that something and, and put other people around us, us doing that something will influence and will impact them, then we ought to take that seriously. And not to only take it seriously, but prepare ourselves for that. In Titus 1.16 kind of gives us the inverse of all of that. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. As a child of God, he has appointed these good works for you to do. And because he appointed you, you are automatically qualified for those good works. You're qualified to do those. Now, according to that verse in Titus, you can disqualify yourself from those good works. You disqualify yourself through unfaithfulness and disobedience. But then by God's grace, you can also requalify yourself through repentance and obedience. And so we have opportunities. God gives us opportunities. And through faithfulness and obedience, we can we can accomplish those good works at God, or we can attempt to accomplish those good works. And if we blow it, he gives us a pathway to be restored back into a place of being used again. And if we're doing our best, if we're doing our very best, doing what God wants us to do, then that you are qualified for the good works that he's assigned to you. That you don't have to go through a qualification process. When I was in submarines, we, we had to go through a process. You get on the submarine, and then you go through this year-long process of being qualified to be on that submarine. You know, the big goal when you're on that submarine is to get the pin, to get the, get the submarine pin. And it took a whole year to do it, and it was, it was, in some cases, it was not that easy because some people made it hard just on purpose. So we are qualified I mean, for even in the submarines, I was qualified. I went through this process. I put the pins, and we called it, you know, we called it subqualified. And so I was qualified to be on a submarine. And I walked around proudly with that, with that pin on my chest. And anybody looked at it and says, ooh, you're qualified. But it doesn't mean I was equipped to do everything on the submarine. There's a huge difference between qualified 
and equipped. When I married Kelly, God gave me the good work of being her husband. That was my work. That, that was something he gave to me, one of many things that would ultimately come through that relationship and the, and the, the offspring of that relationship. I was qualified to do it, but I wasn't very well equipped to do it. I, I had no experience at it. I, I, had, I had some knowledge, but as time went on, I discovered that my knowledge was pretty questionable. The knowledge that I had wasn't really what I really needed to know so that I could do the job well. I lacked tools. I was doing it, but I wasn't very good at it. And over the last 40 years, I've been, you know, trying to be better, trying to be better equipped and I do it through the developing of those tools and, and increasing in knowledge and gaining experience, making mistakes regularly, hopefully learning from my mistakes. I'm becoming more and more equipped to be her husband. The question we need to, one of the questions we need to ask ourselves in life, how well should we be seeking to do the good works that God has assigned us to? How well should we be doing those good works? How good is good enough? Matthew 5, 48 says this. You shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. What is our goal? Perfection. Our goal is perfection. Now, one of the lies of the devil, and I've heard it, I, I, I hope I never said it, but I might have at some point in my life, is that, that, that you know, it's impossible for God's people to be perfect. It's, it's just not possible to be perfect. So you should just settle with good enough. You should just settle. As long as I'm better than Kevin, I'm golden. I'm still working on that. <laughs> Someday. Nothing less than perfection ought to be our goal. Nothing less than perfection. If we're settling for something less than perfection, we're, settle, we're settling for something that is less than what God desires for us. And because God is good and because God is holy and because God loves us, he provides us what we need to reach our goal. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says this, God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. What does that sound like that says? It kind of sounds like God wants to give us everything we need to, to at least approach perfection, right? I mean, it gives us an abundance for every good work. That means we have more than we need. If you have an abundance, you have more than you need. So we, we have what we need through God's grace for all the good works that he set before us. What are the, some of the things that God provided? Well, he provided his son. That was a pretty good one, right? He gave us his son so that we could, we could actually have a way to experience that grace so that we can have the abundance of things that we need for God's good works. It's his sacrifice for our sins that makes it possible for us to even, to even have these conversations, to even be moving in this pathway. Without Jesus, none of us would be able to accomplish anything good in this life. And that's something really hard for some people to accept. You can't do good without God. And you can't have God without Jesus. Second thing God gave us was his Holy Spirit to dwell within us and to lead us, to guide us, and to empower us to do the good works. Without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't do anything good. Not, not good in God's eyes. Third, God gave us the church for encouragement and training for good works. 
One of the reasons why we gather together, especially as men, so we can talk about these things. We can talk about what is it, what does that good work look like? And how do I, you know, from a practical, you know, basis, how do I do it? Miles and David are talking about cars down here, and I was sitting down here nodding my head like I had any idea what they're talking about, you know, injection and and turbo this and whatever they were talking. I had no idea. It was it was all mad science stuff. You know, but you know, the, the reality is is that, you know, that if I wanted to do those things, if I wanted if I wanted to, you know, be involved and to to build something like that, who would I hang out with? Larry? Uh, no. <laughs> I love Larry, but he's not gonna help me do that. You know, like if I if I wanted to learn how to you know, play the guitar, I would talk to John. Uh, no, no. If I want to learn how to sing, I'd talk to John. Uh, no, 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 no. I love, I love John. But, you know, the point is we get together because each of us has, has skills and abilities and experience and knowledge that God has given us good works to do. And doing those good works, we developed the expertise. We come together so that we can learn from one another. We can grow with, with one another. I'd like to focus on this couple of verses in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's read this, and then we'll, then we'll talk about it. It's the last two verses in chapter 3. Verses 16 and 17 says this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, which would be whom in this room? All of us all of us, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What's God's goal as it relates to the good works that he's appointed to you is that you would be thoroughly equipped to do them, right? Does that, can we not extract that from that particular verse? God has given us good works and he wants us to be thoroughly equipped. What does that mean to be thoroughly equipped? That means your toolbox is full of every tool that you need. You've got every owner's manual that you need. You've got, you've got the 10,000 years of experience that it takes to become a master in anything. You know, all, all the things that we say it takes to become proficient for every good work, God wants to provide that to you. starts off by saying it referring to scripture another word for the you know another name for the bible you know we know that word bible means book you know this is the holy book we know it also uh, probably one of my favorite ways of describing it is as the word of god the word of god this book is the word of god the entirety of this book is the word of god the phrase given by inspiration of God is a single Greek word, theonutos, and it means God breathed. God breathed. God breathed his words, supernaturally breathed his words into the hearts and minds of the men that he gave the good work of recording the message that he had for the world about himself. There are some who disregard the Bible because they say it was written by men. We choose to accept the Bible because we recognize that those men only wrote what God inspired them to write. Every word. It says all scripture is God-breathed. That means there's not a word in this book that didn't come right straight out of the heart and mind of God and is intended for God's people, for the things that Paul is about to tell us that these things are for, every single word, every word. So the very first step, if we want, if we want to be thoroughly equipped, we wanna be equipped to do the good works that God wants us to do, the very first step well, after getting saved, you should be saved first. That's the very first step. But after that is that we have to believe 
that every word of this book is true. Every word. Even the ones we don't like, the ones we don't understand, the ones we can't pronounce. Every one of them is true. Psalm 119, 160 says this, the entirety of your word is truth. How much of God's word is truth? All of it, the entirety, the whole thing from, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22, 21, I think. Every time you open up this book, there, there ought to be a pause where you, where you pause and remind yourself that, that this is truth, that God spoke these words so that by, by me allowing them into my heart and mind will be part of the process that God uses to equip me to do good works, that I, I, need, to, I need to let them in, but I've gotta believe that they're true. That's the very first step. If you don't believe that every single word is truth, then you're gonna struggle because you're gonna start asking yourself questions. You're gonna start saying, okay, well, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. You know, that may be true for miles, but I'm not so sure it's true for me. That's not gonna get you where you need to get to. Then Paul tells us that, that the scriptures are profitable for four things, four things. First, scripture is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is about what's taught. You know, that's basically what the word means. It's, it's to teach or what is taught. That's especially relevant for the church, that, that doctrine, it, it forms the basis of what we teach. It's what we believe and then teach. And it's important because doctrines are important because they also determine what you do. You, you determine what you do based on what your doctrines are. As a, as a spiritual leader, you have the responsibility to, to do your best to make sure that the church that you're a part of is doctrinally correct, that the things they teach are right and true. Yeah, it, it's my responsibility as a pastor to do that, but every single person that shows up in this church ought to be testing that, ought to be checking that, ought to be confirming that that's true. Because I'm telling you right now, there are churches not very far from us that aren't doing that. And some of the things they're teaching are not doctrinally correct. And if you're teaching wrong doctrine, it's gonna result in people doing wrong things, having the wrong heart and the wrong attitude. Doctrine are important. Make sure that your doctrine lines up with God's word that's where it comes from. It's got to come right out of God's word and it lines up with the church that you're attending. The church lines up with God's word as well. And where there is a difference in doctrine, you ought to spend some time with that and figure that out. Talk with a pastor. Find out why, why is it that you believe this, but I believe this. And do that humbly because you might actually may not know everything. That, that the pastor may have actually gone through that exercise already and figured that out, but not every, not every man is perfect. I know the men God's called to lead this church are not perfect. Doctrine is important for us as leaders. What you believe to be true about God and what you believe to be true about the word of God will determine how you behave. It guides everything that you do. You know, one of the examples for the church, we teach the inerrancy of scripture. We've kind of been talking about that already, that the, the word of God is perfect, no mistakes, that, that, that we can trust every single word in this book. We believe it is truth and we can trust it to build our life upon that. And if you don't hold that doctrine, if you don't hold the doctrine that every word is true, then you're gonna question which part of them is true and which part of it is false. In case you're wondering, the very thought process that you're doing there is heresy. Don't do it. And you cannot do the good works of God if you're questioning God's, the, 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 the veracity of God's word. Doctrine's important. 
and, and the, God's word is the source of all right doctrine. If a church holds a doctrine that you can't, you can't back up with scripture, you can't back up in the word of God, watch out. That doctrine is questionable. Now, there's liberty. There's certain things that we do as a church. They're not really doctrine. They're more ritual. They're more habit. They're more you know, procedural than anything else. And, but, you know, you couldn't, you know, you, you know, like, for example, you know, doing, doing announcement, worship, offering, message. You cannot find that order of service in the Bible. You know, is that a doctrine? No, it's just the way we do things. And, you know, is it right for us to worship in church? Uh, yeah, pretty sure that's right. We can find doctrine for that. When you read your Bible or listen to a sermon, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what he's trying to say to you, and then ask him to show you where what you believe differs from what is being read or said. Because there might be differences. There might be places, let me make a quick test here. Are, are, are anybody perfect here? Anybody got it all worked out? Okay, okay. so, so we recognize, okay, there, there might be room for improvement, right? Do we acknowledge that? And every time we open up God's word, we ought to acknowledge that before him. God, I'm not perfect. I might need, I might have wrong ideas. I might have wrong doctrine. And if I do, I want to know that because wrong doctrine will lead me the wrong way. And I don't want to go the wrong way. Amen? Amen. Second, scripture is profitable for reproof. Anybody use the word reproof in a sentence this week? Okay, no, it's not. There's lots of words like this we come across. Scripture, reproof. Reproof, what is that? Well, another word that we would be more familiar with is the word rebuke. A rebuke is an act or expression of criticism and censure. Now, censure is possible you might have used that word this week, but it is a strong disapproval of something or someone. That's what the word censure means. The word of God rightly believed, rightly believed to be truth, enables us to examine our beliefs. Matter of fact, we need to regularly be doing that, letting it, letting it examine our beliefs on whether our beliefs are true or not. We don't question the truth of the word of God, but we question whether or not what we believe is true or not. We must do that. We must question our beliefs on a regular basis. And, and do they line up with right doctrine or not? Do they line up with what God's word says? And am I open to a, a rebuke from the word of God? Years ago, I knew a man who was doing something that wasn't right. He knew it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't right. And we had had some conversations and, 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 and the Holy Spirit led me to send him a text. And it was, it was simply Romans 13, 1 through 3. Just that, the, the address, Romans 13, 1 through 3. And uh, he, I don't think he read it. I think he already knew what it said before, before he read it. But this is what it says. It let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. He received it as, if you will, a reproof, as a rebuke, but not from me. It was not a rebuke from me. It was a rebuke from the word of God. He knew that what he was doing was wrong. And all I did is show him where the word of God said it was wrong. It wasn't me who disapproved of what he was doing. It was God. And he received it as such. And he responded well that time. When you read the Bible, be open to hearing from the Holy Spirit if there is something in your life that is displeasing to God. If something's not right, let him tell you. Be open to that. 
And, and if, you, if, if you find something, if you discover something, have the courage to repent and do what is right. And us as, as men, as brothers, we ought to be helping each other that way. When I sent that, when I sent that, that, that text to my friend, it wasn't to rebuke him. I wanted to help him. I, I, he knew what was the right thing to do. I knew what was the right thing to do. And all I did was point him in that direction by showing him where God had a different plan. We need to help each other. Third thing, scripture is profitable for correction. Reproof and correction go hand in hand. Reproof points us to what is wrong. Correction points us to what is right. So when we're reproofed, we're saying, okay, that's wrong. Correction says, that's right, do that. None of us is perfect, and so we all need correction. When I was in the Navy, I was in navigation. And so my job was to, you know, to, to make sure that the submarine went where the captain wanted it to go. He gave us a, he gave us a, a point in the ocean, go to that point, go to that place. And it was my job to get us there, to, to, to navigate us there. You know, there's lots of other people doing other things. They didn't really matter because I was the most important person. But we, you know, we had to go in that direction. I was a young man, pretty full of myself back then. We're never going to get where we need to without me. Yeah. And this took constant evaluation. I had to constantly examine where we were and then compare that to where we thought we were and then adjust to where we were trying to get to. So it was requiring constant evaluation and then constant correction. And so my job was to evaluate where we were and to, and to, and to you know, measure the difference from where we thought we were and then make a recommendation where we go. Now, somebody else had to you know, actually do the correcting. But it was my job to keep up, you know, recommending these corrections. If we want to do the good works that God has assigned us to do, we must be willing to accept correction. And we, we, can, we can receive, is it, is, it, is it going down into the bucket that I put over there, I hope? Sorry, those of you who are watching, we're having a dripping thing going on right now. There it is. There it is. There was, we needed a little correction to where the bucket was placed, so we're all good. Good job, John. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Throw some paper towels or something in there. All right. So, so if we want to do the good work that God has called us to do, we're not perfect, right? Can we acknowledge that we're not perfect? That we may not know exactly how to do everything. I did not know how to fix my washer, I need help with that. I need correction with that. I need to know what to do. You know, and, and, and the same thing is true when we're trying to do the good works that God has for us. We may not have everything we need to, to accomplish it, even though, even though if it's a good work for us to do, we should be able to do it. But I might need some help. I might need some correcting of my course, of my actions, of my behaviors. Now, now the hard part for us as men is sometimes pride gets in the way. And we don't really like to receive correction, especially when it's coming from someone, you know, that we don't want to receive correction from, like, you know, a wife or a child or, you know, somebody else. You know, you know we're blowing it, and we don't really like it when they tell us we're blowing it. Proverbs 15.10, this is a really encouraging verse. Hard discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. Yikes. Come on. Actually, I don't remember who wrote that one. One of those guys back there. If we're going to find our way to the good work that God has assigned to us, if we're going to figure out how to do it, we must humble ourselves before God, before his word, to the Holy Spirit, 
and to those that God has put around us to help guide us. We must humble ourselves and receive correction. Now, be careful. When it's coming from other people, they don't always know what God is saying. So we have to take the correction of other people, and we have to take that to the Lord and ask him to confirm it to us. But still, don't disregard it out of hand. Fourth, Scripture is profitable for instruction in righteousness. The Bible teaches us what is right, right? It teaches us what is right. It teaches us what is good, what is holy, what is true, what is love, what is, and, and all the opposites of those things. It teaches us right from wrong, good, evil. And if we wanna do the good works that God has assigned to us, we should wanna do them the right way, right? You know, because because there's always more than one way to do any one thing, right? You know that you can do it. You can do it the right way, or you can do it your way, and your way may not be the right way. I'm learning that with hydroponics. <sighs> Can't do it my way. <laughs> it should work this way, but it's not. Got to do Kevin's way. Darn it! I hate that. No, I don't. As men, you know, we might want to do it the way we think is best. Our kids are, are, are you know, often that, that's one of the habits we need to break from them. You know, we, okay, we, they, we instruct them or they want to do something, but they want to do it their way. Well, unfortunately, their way may not be the right way and often isn't. You know, give kids a Lego project and who knows what you might get out of it. We have to understand that the way God does things is not the way we do things. He doesn't think the same way we do. And so when, when he gives us something to do, sometimes the way we do it is, is contrary to the way that we would, you know, the way that he would do it is contrary to the way we would do it. And it's just they don't line up the same way. Psalm 119.9, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your Word. And in case you're wondering, this applies to you old guys too. Do it his way. We have to listen to God's word and do it his way. God's word is profitable. Paul would go on to give us the outcome in verse 17. We'll read that again. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That the man of God may be complete, whole, that if we want to do, if we want to be whole, which we all do, whether we would say it out loud or we can acknowledge it or we can, we can, we can express it in any way, we all want that. We desire to be complete, to be whole. And, and our sense of, of emptiness or loss or whatever else we might be feeling is because we are not whole. And so God's desire for us is that we become whole, become complete, and, and so that we can do the good works that he's assigned to us because the good works he's assigned to us are good and will accomplish good. Listen, Paul's making a very important connection here that we don't want to miss. He's making a connection between your wholeness as a man and your relationship to the word of God. That, that to be whole, to be complete, you must have a healthy relationship with the word of God. And you can't, you can't be whole, you can't be complete apart from a regular diet of the word of God, a living, dynamic relationship with the word of God. And it begins, we've gotta, we've gotta first believe that it's true, and then we have to choose to love God's word, to love it. When we sit down to read God's word, now, now I, don't know, I don't know how God is working in any of you, each of you. I can tell you how he's working in my heart. One of the very first things he did when he saved me was implant a love of God's word in my heart. That was not something that was natural in me. I love to read, but there was something very early on I discerned that I loved God's word. And I don't believe that was natural. I believe that was something God doing in me for a work that he was trying, for the good work that he had for me. He provided that to me so that I can go about the good work that he had in store for me. 
But for the rest of us, if that's not implanted to you, then it's a choice you have to make. And it's a daily choice. Like sometimes in our relationships, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a, a rebellious child, sometimes you have to wake up and choose to love them that day. If you've got a, if you've got a, a, a difficult relationship anywhere, you might have to choose a positive attitude toward them, right? Because it won't be natural. Choose to love God's word. And ask the Holy Spirit to cause your heart to long for it. To long for a deeper intimacy with the word of God. A connection to it that goes beyond the mind. That, that, that passes through the mind into the heart and down into your very soul. Job said this, Job 23, 12. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. More than my necessary food. Paul finishes his verse by saying that doing that will thoroughly equip the man of God for every good work. So kind of bringing this full circle, God appointed us good works. They are good works. One of those works is leadership. And whatever roles you play, whatever circles of influence you have, it is a good thing that God has called you to. And he has given you an abundance of everything that you need to accomplish that good work. But there has to be this connection to the word of God to bring it all together. You were created for good works. You were qualified based on God's selection for those good works. And it's his desire that you would do that work perfectly. And the only way to do it perfectly is because we have, we have, been, made we have been made complete, thoroughly equipped through God's word, received, believed, and obeyed. I, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here in this group, but we need to take some time, I think all of us do, and examine our relationship with God's word because here's what happens. It happens to all of us. We get complacent. We'll develop habits. Maybe, maybe you're being faithful to read your Bible every day, but is there a relationship with the word of God? Is there an intimacy with the word of God? Are you actually interacting with God while you're reading your Bible? Are you sensing his presence? Are you sensing the Holy Spirit speaking to you in that time? Or is it a religious exercise, a habit? So if anybody challenges you during that, did you read your Bible today? Yep, I did. What'd you read? Um... It was in the Old Testament. What did God say to you? What is God saying to you? Because we want to be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have to be letting God's word do the work it can do. Are we reading it as truth? This is truth, every single word of it. Are you allowing it to rebuke you as necessary? Are you open to being corrected by the word of God? God's word, received, believed, and obeyed, will make you complete, equipped for every good work that God has assigned to you. As an aside, after I finish this message, printed it out, sent it to Kevin, and started thinking about the next thing I was going to do, all of a sudden it occurred to me, hey, have you looked at YouTube to fix your washer? <laughs> no, I haven't. So guess what? I looked at YouTube. First video, this is what you need to do. Two steps. Oh, that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, three steps. Unplug it. Unplug it was step one. 
And then I had to check the hoses and I had to check this little um, sensor it had on it. And sure enough, I found the problem, solved it, went back to work. Rick is a genius now. I am thoroughly equipped for every good work if that error code comes up again, which I'll have forgotten by the time it comes up again. But here's the thing, guys. There's, God will always, if we are open, whatever good work that he has for us, and obviously that's a small, insignificant thing. Well, it wasn't insignificant. We couldn't wash our clothes, which is a problem because I always wait till I absolutely desperately need to wash clothes before I wash clothes. But if we will allow God to minister to us, he'll give us everything we need. Now, I mean, I think it was the grace of God helping me to find that, saving us, obviously, who knows how many hundreds of dollars for a guy to come out and solve something that it took me 15 minutes to solve once I knew what the, the solution was. Just trust him. But it's... This is so important. Again, I think we get so complacent. We get so comfortable doing the things that we do that we, they, lose their, they lose their significance. They, they lose their reality. And that's not just with the word of God. We can do the same thing in serving, you know? We can do the same thing, you know, in, I could do the same thing in preaching. You know, you know, Kevin can do the same thing in leading the men's ministry. We get in these rhythms and patterns and in these routines and we, and we forget or we lose sight of the reality that this is about God and this relationship with him that is meant to lead us so that we can do the good works that God has called us to. So guys, my encouragement to you, and especially based on what we just talked about here this morning, is really spend some time this week and really examine your heart about the word of God. I mean, nothing... I mean, nothing is going to move you more forward faster than that. If you just reevaluate and if necessary, make a course correction and start getting it right. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And Lord, I pray for each of these men as, as they are. You know, I, I can look around this room and see men that I've known um, decades in some cases and a lesson some, but I would call each and every one of them a friend and a brother and a, and a fellow servant. And I pray, Lord, that as we, as we prepare to go out of this place, that we take one thing with us, one important fact, and that is, Lord God, that you gave us the word of God so that we can do the good works that you've called us to. And so I pray for each man here that they would take this next week, this next day, the next hour, whatever, whatever they're willing to give you, God, and really examine their hearts about your word. Lord, there's so many reasons why we might not do these things we talked about this morning. But Lord God, you've given us, you've given us one reason that we must, and that you sent your son to die for us, to make a way for us to go to heaven, to, to be cleansed of every sin, to know that we have the hope of heaven, an eternity of, of absolute perfection. Shouldn't I desire to know the God who did all that for me? Shouldn't I long to to commune with him? Shouldn't I, shouldn't I desire to know what, what this great and good and loving God desires of me that I might, I might please him more and more? I pray, Lord, that each of us would, would help to put ourselves aside and desire to know you better so that we might be able to do the good works that not just are good for us, but they're good for all of those that, that those works will touch so that they might know you, so that they might be able maybe to make that, that radical choice of being transported out of the darkness into the kingdom of your light. So I pray, Lord, anoint each of these men to be thoroughly equipped for every good work 
Help them to be complete. Help them to go out of this place committed to changing their relationship with you, to, to, be, to be true men of God in love with your word and intent on, on knowing it, believing it, and doing it. We thank you, Lord, for this day and all that you do for us, and we lift it all up to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for being a part of Pathfinders. This series is for men who want to make a difference in the world around them. We want to partner with you on this exciting journey. Go to calvaryfv.com pathfinders and click on the engage button. We'll periodically send you encouragements and exhortations to be the pathfinder God created you to be. Every man needs help periodically, so please let us know if there is any way that we can be praying for you. Send us an email to prayer at calvaryfv.com or text the word pray to 62488. If this material has blessed you in some way, you find it useful in any way, please leave a comment or review and subscribe to it, this channel, so that you don't miss any other things that we publish and send it to someone else that might need to hear it or see it. Also, please pray that God would use these messages to help others find hope in Jesus Christ, to find their way. You can also partner with us financially by going to calvaryfv.com give or text the word give to 62488. Until next time, go be radical with Jesus. Jesus.